This is Larie Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. Next two guests are here to talk with us about another area that I consider to be amazingly ripe with potential. Uh, Wala El Sheikh, the co-founder and CEO of Birthright Africa, is back. You guys already know this is one of my favorite organizations, but don't tell all the other organizations that are also part of my favorites. But this is an organization that is committed to providing a free educational trip to Africa for all youth and young adults of African descent in the United States. I have it on good authority that someone my age is still included in this possibility. Walla has over 16 years of management and leadership experience in both the private and public sectors and has spent the past 10 years supporting various initiatives in both the K-12 through and post-secondary education. She is joined by Jadena Mobison. Yes, you may know him as the artist Jadena. You should also know that he actually has a background in education as well. The singer and rapper with geographic connections ranging from Nigeria uh, to cities here in the U.S. like Oakland, Atlanta, and of course, Brooklyn. Uh, Well, I guess New York. We'll call it. New York City, give it its proper name. Jadena is here as well. He serves as a board member for this amazing organization. It is such a pleasure to have both of you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Marie, thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Now, I have to thank you all because you are literally doing the work. Walla, I, I want to start with you. And, and if you could just remind our audience uh, what it is that Birthright Africa has accomplished and what you have pending this week that everyone out there should know a little something about. Well, today we are celebrating our five-year anniversary. So major accomplishment a milestone for us over the last five years we've been able to partner with our education uh, partners like the city university of new york and send over 60 young people to the continent for this life-changing experience and truly transformative um affirm affirmation of who they are at the root Mm. and ensuring that they understand it comes from a place of greatness. And in that way, they are shaped to fulfill on their future aspirations, especially at a time like this when we're still reeling through the systemic oppression that we face. Um, We are excited about having Jadena on the executive board and chairing the co-chairing the gala tonight. Uh, We've had really great philanthropic, philanthropic support from individuals, corporations, foundations, and tonight is culminating into our inaugural gala. It's going to be hybrid in nature, and so people can tune in virtually, um, get your tickets, um, and you also can tune in and text to donate live. Oh, okay. So who should they, where, if we want to donate, where would we send a text? What should we do? How do we do that? Absolutely. I literally just looked up this number. So to text to donate and or pledge um, 646-437-8147. It will just walk you through a couple of prompts and you're good to go. 
I love it. We're going to make sure we repeat that before we we conclude our time together today. Uh, Jadena, you, you are known for your music variety. You are someone who I consider to be one of the artists of the diaspora. Uh, you have roots, as I mentioned, both in Nigeria and here. Uh, and yet, while people often affiliate you for and are familiar with you with your musical talent, they may not actually know that you actually do have some background in art and education. Am I correct that you used to be a part of a program, uh, the Fresh Prep program that literally sought to help students pass standardized tests by putting American curriculum instruction to music? Is that accurate? You are completely accurate. Thank you for shouting out Brooklyn earlier, by the way. I was about yes, to jump in. <laughs> but yeah, we uh yeah, we, we were stationed in every borough in New York City. Um uh we even I mean Staten Island excluded, uh, but everywhere else I was rolling around on these trains and we were teaching fresh prep and test curriculum to essentially what was like schoolhouse rock, but schoolhouse hip hop. Mm. And, um, and by doing so, we were, we were targeting some, especially transfer students. So students who had recently been transferred to another school because they were suspended or expelled. Um, it was in that program that we found a lot of success. We, uh, we built the organization to be the, at the time, the, the most highly funded and, and, mm. and furthest reaching arts education organization in New York City. Wow. So uh, right now I'm excited because this organization is, um, I believe, even further reaching in what it can do, not mm. just for these times, but for future generations. This is, I say this time and time again, it's a legacy education and travel program. And so I'm excited to join Walla on this journey. And and I think that what it is that you all are doing at Birthright Africa, really, for me, one of the reasons I'm so excited about this, Wala, is because it is a model, a template, if you will, for what successful culturally responsive education can look like. Uh, we've got the the ability to expose these children to their history or, or to the history of where they are located and how they got here. And then by actually empowering them to take that trip and uh, going back to the continent of Africa. And Wala, you explained on the last time that you were here, hearing about uh, some of your Jewish friends and colleagues who were talking about their birthright trips, where uh, Jewish children in this country are given entree to a, a program that will allow them a, a, a paid trip to what they consider to be their homeland, and seeking to provide something for our children and recognizing that this was a need that we also had. Uh, to me, it is just so powerful to see something go from idea and concept to actual implementation and to be reaching the point where right now you are celebrating uh, this this program tonight. I think it's just a fantastic way to really highlighting what it means to have a program that works. What are your goals for the program as we move forward? You've had only five years. You've been able to take, as you noted, over 60 students through this journey. Uh, students, many of whom are still contributing to the program and still brag. I've, I've watched y'all's videos. They stay bragging about all of the benefits they got out of participating in this. But that is your present and and a bit of your past where are you envisioning taking this organization as you chart the path forward i mean ultimately like jadena said we are looking to transform generations uh, uh, of the african diaspora into the future and so this is going to go global and go beyond the u.s and be continental 
uh, in, uh, I mean, global in terms of getting the diaspora to join us in the continent. Um, we are looking over the next five years specifically to send over 5,000 young people mm. uh, to the Tonight, we're uh, looking to raise funds to send 500 of those just next year. Um, and we're looking to partner with folks that are essentially looking for the next global leaders and entrepreneurs, you know, that are proud and confident uh, and connected to their African heritage because that's how we truly globally mobilize mm. um, and build ourselves up as a global Black diaspora. It's only in connection to the continent. The continent has finally recognized that and said the diaspora has to be involved. And so they're engaging us. We are now ensuring that we are building that bridge. And we're excited mm. about our honorees who've been doing this for years. Like this work has been going on. But First Mind Africa is elevating it and ensuring the young diaspora is a part of it. And we're excited for anyone um, uh, to, to join us in this effort and, and move us forward. Now, if I'm a parent and I'm listening to this and perhaps I recall the last time you were on in the conversation we had, what curriculum experience will my children be able to gain as a result of participating in this program? You've already got me with the trip to Africa. I'm with you. I'm there. But when I when I get off of when I when I come away from that and take a step back, what is the what is the curriculum content look like and, and why is it so successful? So, you know. Uh, first of all, thank you for the compliment about this being culturally responsive. I, I put in 10 years of work into education myself to ensure I understood what we were looking to do and mm. we're calling heritage-based leadership development. Essentially, the, the, the lack of exposure that young people have uh, in general to real world, let's just say, whether that is, you know, through exposure to cultural sites, museums, meeting the leaders and entrepreneurs, and understanding what is this education really about. For our young Black people, they're literally going physically to these places out of the classroom, which most of them don't want to be in anymore, right? Mm. They know they can seek information anywhere besides the Internet. They can physically go to these places, and they want to be connected to the leaders and entrepreneurs presently. And we start actually in the United States. So our curriculum, our education partners are asked to build up local and national programming as part of their curriculum to ensure that exposure to African heritage starts right away and in your own neighborhood. Because half of us don't even know what our history is here, right? Mm. And then it culminates on the continent and you get to expose yourself to the same things and, and truly understand that connection that we have. Um, and how many of us as diaspora people went over and lived, worked, studied and then vice versa and so that exchange of um history knowledge mentorship advice about how to pursue and aspire overcome microaggressions and racism i mean we are as our leaders and entrepreneurs and anyone that we come across what did it take you know what is that career and life mm. story that you have how do i channel the same understanding and this pride and confidence you have about who you are to move forward knowing that you can contribute from that place and don't have to downplay any aspect of your Africanness. That in that need oh go ahead Jadena go ahead. Yeah no I just want to add because I'm I'm over here getting excited in my seat that you also <laughs> get a lesson in entrepreneurship 
I think because at the end of the program, you have a direct connection with a an uh, an innovative leader in a in an industry that you want to be in. Mm-hmm. You are in a, effectively a mentorship program, but you're also seeing that on the African continent, for those students that come from the South, they're going to see certain things that exist in the current South and definitely in, in the older South where communities have, you know, tailors and, and people are, are are going to local craftspeople to go and, and, and take care of certain things that right now is not, we're not accustomed to doing because mm-hmm. we're in the consumer world. Well, what happens is in the in the real world, you start realizing that other ethnic groups have a leg up because they might have a home country or they mm. might be of a certain skin color and get certain access. When you start going to to Africa, you start realizing that you can the overhead and the certain cost of of getting things done and labor costs are not going to be as much as they are here. So the reason I mentioned tailoring is because the start of my career, after I went from education into music, I, I was obviously known for the suit. But the reason the suits looked expensive, but they were not. I had been in Africa, Africa learning how much people got their clothes tailored. And so I was able to connect with African tailors on this side. Mm-hmm. And I was able to keep the cost of those suits down while still preserving and really enhancing the value of my brand work. That's a lesson straight out of the book of, in Nigeria, but it's also a lesson that a lot of our ancestors on this side and current people that, that really be about it in the church know, go and get your stuff tailored, go and get your shoes and take them to the cobbler. It's those kind of things for me that provided me with a leg up in the industry that I was in. And that same kind of story can be applied across the board. You know, I, I love this idea or, or the reminder that there are so many needs within our community that either A, go unmet, or B, are being met by people who do not have a vested interest in our community. And so they are they are creating solutions to the problems that we have. They are able to profit from those solutions, but we don't get the benefit of that profit. Whereas if we had more community-based entrepreneurship, the likes of which you are discussing, and I'm going to expand that a bit because, you know, we've had examples here. There were a few years ago uh, when I was a, a much more active writer than I am right now. And there was a black hair care company. Uh, and, and those of you who have followed me, you know what company this is. We're not going to mention the name. We don't need to, you know, ain't no shade. But there was a black hair care company doing phenomenally well. And they were create, they were black owned. They were creating products for black people. They had a, a great brand and reputation. And then they decided to expand. But when they expanded, they didn't expand beyond the United States to continue tapping into their traditional market. They expanded to attempt to attract white women uh, to purchase their products. Now, that was met with varying degrees of criticism because the reality is uh, these things are culturally driven. If I am uh, if I am not a part of the black community, I don't have the same connection to hair care culture. Uh, it's a very different reality. This company got a lot of criticism because the idea that expansion means crossing over into non-black spaces in order to attract uh, non-black consumers is one way of expanding. But they 
missed an opportunity to expand to the diaspora, which is a worldwide <laughs> relationship uh, mm. to to that same to hair products in much the same way. And so a lot of times from an American context, we do not think of expansion, uh, whether it be entrepreneurship, whether it be cultural organizing, we don't necessarily think of it as expanding to the rest of the diaspora. We kind of think about expanding to the rest of America. Are we missing something there? Is, is there something to that? Uh, Jadena, you've spoken a bit to what you were able to show in your own experience, but voila, are, are we missing something about where we should really be thinking or where we should really be focusing our efforts to build out our brands, to build out our audience, to build out our consumer base? Yeah, it's so interesting you say this. It's so timely. I just got off the phone with one of our newest innovation partners, and we identified those as um, businesses that are managed, owned, or led by people of African descent. So part of the curriculum, if you will, is that we're intentional about you visiting those companies, seeing those spaces of innovation, meeting and uh, uh, speaking with those leaders and entrepreneurs. And we've just gone global with one of them, uh, a Brexit bank, the Africa Export Import Bank, that wow. is looking to literally bring the young diaspora that we've engaged to the continent to have them um, showcase their business and entrepreneurship and wow. look for markets on the continent. And so here you have the, 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 the diaspora engaging with a bank that is headquartered on the continent Mm. and looking to engage the young diaspora to help them understand the markets are also in Africa. Uh, and to your point, you just helped me elevate my understanding. It's beyond America. We can go anywhere mm. the diaspora is, and we are everywhere in the world, even in Asia, uh, right? We, in, in, mm. in Europe, in Australia, in South America, every single continent. Um, and so that's what we do at Birthright. We literally and the mind of this young person to see the possibility of their heritage within their innovation and entrepreneurship is an advantage and a value mm. that they can bring and contribute into the world and then reap the legacy and wealth building off of that. <laughs> See, and yeah. we didn't even talk about this beforehand. And yet here we are making connections across the diaspora. This is exactly why these conversations are so vitally important. And Jadena, I think I just cut you off. Were you about to say something? Yeah, I, just, I, wanted to, I wanted to offer something. I think in business terms, what we say when we're building and expanding um, our, our market, we, we say, oh, there's so many white spaces that we can mm. occupy. Like that's an actual term that's used and is used for those of you who are listening that don't are not familiar. White space it just means like it's a blank space. It's a place that you can fill in and, and get more customers in. Mm. But I, I never that term never sat right with me. And I'm realizing right now with Larie, what you just said, it's we often think just expanding within maybe the US or with or like crossing over to a wider wider market we need to stop only talking about white spaces and mm. start talking about black spaces yes meaning expanding to the larger diaspora or and or continent mm. that's what a black space is now in business terms for us i love that 
I love that. And the, that pathway, 85 to Africa, trust me, <laughs> like, hey. from the from the if y'all have not heard that uh, album, uh, 85 to Africa, it really does musically kind of speak to a lot of what it is that we're talking about here. We have it's not just about the experience that brought us here. It's also about creating intentional experiences that will link us back to that from which we come. And that y'all, my audience knows I'm a fan of the principal Sankofa. If you haven't seen the film, how Ali Jarima's film. It's on Netflix now. Changed my life as a kid. I'm just telling y'all. But the idea of Sankofa, that Ghanaian principle that speaks to the fact that we cannot understand where we are today. We certainly cannot even think about building for the future if we do not understand the pathways and the decisions that brought us to this point uh, as we currently sit in it. And so that is why having intentionality about not just taking pride in who we are as a people, uh, not just in, in being, you know, proudly proclaiming ourselves as members of the global majority, but thinking critically about what an infrastructure regime would require to build those connections so that we are able to have this free-flowing commerce and trade within uh, within the diaspora uh, rooted in the continent of Africa. A final question for you, as someone who is not only a musician, but a scholar in your own right, Give us some insight as it pertains to the power of linking education with the African tradition of musicality, whether it's the griot tradition or the jelly tradition. Talk to us about why that fusion is so important from your vantage point. Because music is memory. Mm -hmm. uh, music literally is, uh, it's, it implants itself in your brain. So when you hear things with a, with a melody, it's scientifically proven that you're more than likely to remember it. We are the most highly consuming musical generation ever on the history mm. of the planet, <laughs> because mm. thanks to streaming. So when you talk about the importance of musicality and education, I, I think it's, it's pretty self-evident. So that's why the program works then, why it's important now to, re to, to retrace the, as you said, the history of certain storyteller figures like the Griot, it's because we are, are so musical now, we have to also change our narrative, make sure we are writing our history today. Mm. And so by connecting where we are now to where we were, we'll be able to obviously f fulfill that full circle in the Sankofa tradition of knowing where we're heading. And I think that that's what Birthright Africa is really about. We're a generation that looks up our birth chart. We're a generation that goes and, and gets our DNA, uh, gives our DNA samples to know more about ourselves. We're a generation that puts on our location, sharing location. We're trying to find our place in this world. And that's what the Birthright Africa opportunity is. It's another way to find your place in the world and where you belong. Mm. Powerful words for a powerful organization doing the work of reconnecting the diaspora. Walla, El Sheikh, Jadena, I, you guys are fantastic. I love this organization. Birthrightafrica.org is their website. Walla, I will not see you in person, but my sister, I am there in spirit. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing all the amazing work that comes out of this. Thank you so much both for being here today. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having me.